even me who is big on spite and revenge, I think you ride out the East Carolina game one more time if it means you don't have to play two FCS teams. Welcome to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. Welcome into this episode of Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast. I am Leela McCray. Joe Deck is with me, and we just got done watching the beatdown in Charlottesville where the Cavaliers fought in the Hokies in basketball, and it wasn't fun to watch. But, hey, UVA is a good basketball team, and they also played really great tonight. Hokies did not play so well, and that combination isn't going to give you a win if you're a Hokie fan. Nope. And... Um... Bit of a reality check. Uh, look, I said to you and to a friend in Texas after the Georgia Tech game, a lot of that confidence for the UVA game kind of disappeared. Uh, and we looked a lot like we did in that Georgia Tech game in the first half. And the second half, we played yep. a little better. But the problem was we never made up the deficit. We were down 20 going into that, and we stayed down 20. Yeah, I mean, we can, we tied the second half, and but that's UVA playing on cruise control in the second half, so I won't even credit ourselves for playing even in the second half because, I mean, that's a, that's a team that has the game one at halftime. I mean, they shot 71% from the three-point arc, 10 for 14 in the first half, and, the, and you're just – when you're playing a good team and they're playing that well, you're you're it's going to be hard to win. And then when you pair that with playing poorly in the first – I mean, defensively, we're – outside shots we were still giving up some easy stuff inside but we weren't playing good offensively so we just weren't going to get there um it was a bad combination a lot of uva and hope well we're, we're within reach at halftime maybe we can do better in the second half and and they don't and so when you're down by 22 in the, in the first half you, you're not coming back and and we didn't so uh honestly what stuck out to me and i've watched a little uva this year because they played in some big games uh, that salt guy is hard to handle, and uh, I think he's going to be hard to handle for a lot of teams in the ACC. He's just a big body down there, getting rebounds, um, also really altering a lot of shots from down low. And sure, we don't have a great inside game, but I think Salt will have an impact against Duke end, and I think he'll have an impact against a lot of the good teams in the ACC. Um, so credit there. But if UVA shoots... And for 14 in a half against anybody, they're going to win. No, you're not wrong. And again, I think what this boils down to is a problem of us just. Again, I look at it more from the Virginia Tech standpoint. I know UVA did well, and I know the immediate reaction from the Raycom guys uh, who I thought called a good game. Um, but I don't like Brando, but that's fine. I thought they called a good game. We'll talk about announcers later. We'll talk about announcers later. Brando's never my favorite. Sure. I think tonight he irritated me a little bit too. <laughs> but, uh, it, well, and he says, you know, this is the best team in the country in my opinion. And I, I don't know. I still think Duke's better than they are. I still think Michigan's probably better than they are. And, you know, look, I, I just, I need to see UVA in a Final Four before I think they can be the best team in the country. I haven't seen it, despite what they did tonight. Um, yeah, after after tonight, it's hard to 
hard to down them too much, but yeah, I don't think they can do this on a consistent basis. And I don't think they're going to do this for what? Five games, six games. So get to a final four. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't think they're going to do that. Um, Or I guess four, four, four to get you to the final four. Yeah. I, I mean, we haven't seen it happen before. We're also going to be quick to doubt them. Um, but yeah, I think I was watching a little bit of Tennessee before, uh, this game got started and they look pretty tough. And I watched Michigan was it last week and they look pretty tough, but I mean, every year, a group of tough teams, it seems like, and I mean, and be honest, UVA has been up in this area these last three or four years now, or they've been up there with one seed potential or actually getting the one seed and, uh, or, you know, maybe not one overall like they had last year, but still a top four seed. And, um, they haven't been able to produce it yet. I guess, I guess it's just hard for me to talk too much, uh, down on them after watching that shoot performance second half, they came down to earth, but, Oh, they came down to they earth still, and shot 60 they, over they 60%. They still played pretty tough I mean, and played well. And yeah, they shot over 60% in the game. I mean, they shot what 75 or 73% in the first half. I mean, it was something stupid. Um, Virginia yeah. Tech didn't play well. Blackshear got in foul trouble. Tech has no size other than Blackshear. That's why do we always go to Charlottesville and get these weird technical fouls, though? It's like Blackshear had to defend himself against one. Wasn't it last year where he got that crazy one that shouldn't have happened? Like, I don't understand why we go over there and get these technical fouls that seem nitpicky or weird. I mean, this time the one on Robinson tonight, like the guy that was his that was a weak kind of- technical foul. Weak technical foul, maybe. I'm not saying it didn't was not deserved at all, but it was very weak, and it just seems like it always happens over there. I mean, we've won over there. We won over there last year. There's always one of those weird calls. I don't, I don't get it. But I mean, that's what happens when rivals play each other. Weird, weird stuff happens. Emotion comes out. I, I don't mind seeing a little fire on our end, and it, it seemed within reason. And we were getting our butts beat, so. I, we could have. I'm glad we didn't act worse. I guess I was probably acting worse on my couch. So <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know. I know you got probably annoyed when I texted you. I'm ready to project this thing with 4:30 to go in the half. But I mean, I was. And so, like, when it got a little worse, I was just kind of already there. Um, I was dead yeah. inside, to quote Michael Scott. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't feel any more pain at that point. And look. <laughs> You're right. UVA has been a very good basketball team, and they are a good basketball team. They're a, they're going to be a one seed again this year, probably when they get into the tournament. But they were a one seed last year, and we heard about this was that was the year, and th- that year was going to be different. And they lost to UMBC, so I don't know. Um, I, I don't think they'll lose to a 16 seed again, but I don't know if they go to the Final Four. So. I don't know. We'll see. This is early in the ACC season. They have a lot. I mean, they played Duke this weekend, who I know Duke's coming off a loss. I was Duke's hoping gonna, that UVA yeah, would be Duke's too. Yeah, Duke's got to get healthy. It's still a test. It's still a test. Duke has to Good get healthy. Good players. Though. Yeah, and then they, they're going to play North Carolina. They got to come to Blacksburg. They're going to, they got some hard games ahead. If they make it through undefeated, I mean, weren't, weren't they sitting pretty last year? I mean, then they, they lost to us late in the season. But it's just, yeah, you got to do it. The tournament's hard, and it's not the, – the, the thing about the tournament, it doesn't give you who the best team has been all year. It gives you who plays the best in March. And 
will that style be susceptible to a hot shooting team and a you know a night where they don't shoot very well? And yeah, it, they are susceptible. It was proven last year, still playing the same style. They're, I gave credit to Salt. He's not a scoring threat underneath it. I mean, he had four points tonight. He's more of a defensive problem and a rebounding problem. If they had a better inside game, maybe they'd be a little uh, poor shooting night proof, but they're not. So that's what it's going to come down to in the end. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, the other thing I would say is let's let's see what happens. I am very interested to see how Virginia Tech rebounds. Uh, they didn't look good yeah. against Georgia Tech. They escaped with a win. They came out flat tonight and got beat like a rented mule. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, they need to step up their game. I this does we not look like a, this weekend. This doesn't look like a top 10 team to me. Yeah, yeah, I think. UVA is good, yeah. but if Virginia Tech's a top 10 team, you don't lose that game by that much. I probably need to see other teams around uh, 10 to really have that basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, tonight doesn't help any argument saying we top 10. Um, yeah, I think we have Wake Forest this weekend. That's a good opportunity to rebound. Wake Forest was um, beating NC State at one point tonight. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's a game we should win. I don't care what they're doing tonight. It's a game we should win. No, I agree. Um, and then he has Duke, and that'll be all eyes will be on that game this weekend. Game day's down there. Um, all eyes will be on that, and everybody's going to be buying for that number one spot on Monday when the rankings come out. UVA wins at Duke. They're going to ha have a good claim for it. Um, and last year they lost to us and then were ranked first two days later. So now this year they beat us. I mean, it should should help them all that much easier. But, I mean, it's a long season, and they, they still have a lot to play. And, and one loss for us like this doesn't ruin everything. We were going to lose C games. I'd rather it not have been to UVA, but it's not shocking that it was. And it's one game. We move on. Um, and there's other good basketball to happen for both sides. Um, I do want to call out Jeff Wright, who is quick to quick to Twitter after the game. Uh, I was watching some basketball nights. I, I was just, you know, showing a picture of me drinking out of a cup. Um, you have to see it on Twitter. Follow us to see that. Uh, so yeah. then he responded, the Hokies lose by to a team that lost by 20 to a 16 seed. And I guess by transitive property across years, uh, yeah, but we I'll still tell didn't you what my brother said. <laughs> yeah, that's what my brother said. My brother said because uh, I was texting him during the game too, and he goes, "Well, at least we didn't lose to a 16 seed, <laughs> so we got that I mean, going for we, us." I don't think we've ever played a 16 seed. Yeah, Canada. but we never lost. Uh, <laughs> undefeated. We never lost a one, and uh, there's only one team that has, so we can rest on that uh, and moving forward. Uh, you'll later in this podcast we we did our interview with Cody tomorrow or yesterday and tomorrow. Uh, we did it yesterday night, so you'll hear us reference this game as it's the future. But um, we got other topics to talk about. All right, Leland, let's move on to high school hoops here in Augusta County. And I've finally got to go to a game. It had been a while, uh, but I was at the East Rock Riverheads game. And we're going to talk to Cody Elliott about this some more later on in our interview this week. But let's... I, I just want to give you my thoughts initially on the nickel kid as advertised. Uh, he's a six, six freshman, which makes him hard to guard. Uh, and I can't wait to see how he continues to develop as his high school career progresses at East Rockingham. Yeah. I mean, that area has produced some good talent in the past and uh, it's good to hear from somebody I trust that he's as advertised. That's great. Um, I mean, they're loaded. They were a good team last year. They've been a good team. 
like their football team. They've just like been pretty darn good these last few years and progressing to something. And it, they must have a good class going through there right now um, because the football team was so good. And now here's the basketball team. But yeah, I mean, they're not really even led by an upperclassman. They're led by that freshman nickel. So, you know, hopefully some, you know, local colleges are paying attention to this. I said it for Kyer when he was a freshman or sophomore when covering him on the radio. JMU needs to go hire, like, or go hire, go uh, um, offer that kid immediately because it's a hometown guy. And then they didn't. So now here's a chance. They could do it right with East Rock right now. Go up to the road to the next game that East Rock has and offer that kid immediately. Yeah, and JMU has no reason not to. He's better than probably most of the players on the floor right now for JMU. Uh, they should offer him today. Uh, they're building a floor or a new convocation center, whatever they want to call it, at JMU. Um, name name it Nickel Court. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> whatever it takes to get the kid there, you got to get him. And the ni- Nickel Center. <laughs> yeah, the Nickel Center. Yeah, just we haven't named it yet, I don't think. So we'll just call it the Nickel Center, and it'll be Nickel Court and – yeah, I don't Union know. Bank brings you Union Trusted Loan or whatever they call it, brings yeah. you the Nickel Center. <laughs> the Nickel Center. Live from the Nickel Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, yeah, it'll be cool, uh, whatever it takes. Uh, and I know that in all seriousness, I know that technically you can't offer a kid this young a scholarship, but JMU needs to be like, look. Um, Can you not? I thought, I thought uh, you know, Alabama and USC's offered like middle schoolers before and stuff. What's That's true. I guess they can't sign. I just, I guess they yeah, just can't, they can't sign. sign. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, start, start JMU hiring his mom a job or, you yeah, know, give his mom a job, a stack of cash and a tractor to the dad or whatever. Yeah, so give the mom a job, <laughs> you know, whatever she wants to do on campus. It doesn't matter. Um, whatever the dad wants to do, doesn't matter. Get this kid on your basketball team. He is going to be good. He's going to be something special. Uh, it would and, be cool for them to open up the new building, whether they name it after him or not, uh, with a hometown <laughs> hero in there. Because I know how much I enjoyed going to the Jamie Williams games when they had three local players on the team and uh, Nikki Newman and uh, Kirby Burkholder. And uh, I'm forgetting one, but they, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch the local kids. And also they were the leaders of the team. It wasn't, they were just on the team. They were the leaders of the team and they were good. So I think they have an opportunity there, but whether JMU offers them or not, we're talking D one talent out of this kid. And yeah. that's going to be hard for the, for the Shenandoah district this year to handle. And it's going to be hard for the bull run to handle in years in these next couple of years. So um, I'm glad East rock is good for their sake. I'm, I'm sorry you had to watch it happen. I'm all of a mater, but they're not the, you know, Riverhead isn't the only team that East Rock's taking it to, oh, no. and they beat Lee twice already this season. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in really good shape for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I, I had seen East Rock play last year and East Rock was a good team last year. And knowing that Dalton Jefferson was the heart and soul of that team last year and looking at the stats and the stories coming out of our friend Cody Elliott, who again, we're going to be interviewing and, you know, not just him, but any story that of people that went to games saying, oh, this nickel kid has really taken over at East Rock. I'm like, man, Dalton Jefferson was that entire team. So this kid must be really something special. He is. He can play down low. He's a good defender. He's great uh, far away from the basket, too, beyond the arc. He hit a three, I think. Uh, and in the game, he's got the ability to dunk over people. We didn't see it against Riverheads, uh, but he did finally get a two-handed slam in there eventually. But and that gets the crowd jacked up. But, you know, and you and I briefly discussed this over the phone, and, and I disagreed with, I mean, it's cool when local players are good enough to be there and help the program. 
But to me, and I told you this, my fondest JMU memories aren't of Kirby Burkholder or Nikki Newman. Uh, and it's not because I don't recognize what the local talent there did for them. And that I realized that brought in a lot of fans and built the program. And they were still good in those years. But for me, it, it doesn't get better than the Don Evans or the, the Jimenez uh, team that ended up losing to Oklahoma in that uh, opening round tournament game in Charlottesville that year in the women's NCAA tournament. But I watched the greatest game that I think I've ever seen in the Convocation Center, and it has to be top five ever played in that building, regardless, men's or women's. Uh, it was Don Evans versus Della Dawn, and that was a very special game. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that this kid is Nichols going to be a Della Dawn or Don Evans type player. I, I don't think that. But this kid is good enough to play at JMU, uh, barring an injury or some major setback that is for unseen. Uh, he was really special against Riverheads and really controlled that game. And there's a reason East Rock is going to run the table in the Shenandoah district, go undefeated, and be serious players in not only the region playoffs, but the state playoffs. Uh, before the year, I would have said Central is going to win the region tournament, no doubt. Um, now, East Rock, maybe, is a and doubt. East, East Rock is East really Rock good. And Central's good. Against Lee. These last couple years, there's been really good matchups between East Rock and Lee. Some of the best games I've you know, covered as the radio broadcaster have been those games. Lee's not really up to that point at this point in the season. I mean, they've gone down to East Rock twice by big numbers. So you kind of have to see who locally is kind of that second best team, I guess, in the Shenandoah. Is it Lee? Is it Wilson? I guess we get another chance at Lee, Lee Wilson again. Um, but the, all those teams kind of beat up on each other and East Rock's just beat them all. So we'll have to see who comes you know, second in the district. It, it looks like it will come from down this way. Uh, it doesn't look like Paige and definitely not LaRae are strong enough, but um, it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season who uh, who can go for second. But I think it's well-established East Rock is first. Stewart's Draft, one of those teams that you talk about, can they make a run? And they've done it in past seasons where they they play these teams that are used to their style now and they go into the games, you know, familiar with what's about to happen. And I'll – and, and the Shenandoah district teams can beat them, but then all of a sudden Stewart's draft gets in the postseason and really makes a run. You saw that Friday night, they still got for the rock, the ribbon uh, shootout. They still got the Friday games in Stewart's draft played and they just loaded up on uh, Chatham down there. So that's Chatham. the kind of impact that um, Stewart's draft has when they go play a team that's not from Augusta County or not from the Shenandoah district, they can surprise you and kind of run away with some games. So it would be interesting if Giraffe does what they need to do to face some of those other teams. You got to get out of the district. You got to get out of the region to do that. But um, it'll be interesting if they get that opportunity. Yeah, I think Stewart's draft reminds me a lot of a mid-major, right? In the sense that they rely a lot on the three ball. They're going to live and die by the three. Uh, oh, yeah. So the three ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Three ridiculous is what they call it. And they were three ridiculous against Chatham the other night, uh, bearing threes left and right. I think they said it rock the ribbon record for most three pointers in the game. They probably broke their own record. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> this is a team that's going to make noise outside of the Shenandoah district in that region playoff. Now, unfortunately for them, they're going to run into a central or an East rock. Who's a really good team. And I think we'll be able to withstand that barrage of three pointers uh, because the here's the problem with Stewart's draft is, and I haven't seen them play yet this year. I will get a chance, I'm sure. And I'm going to be the first thing I'm going to watch for is have they really improved defensively? That's been their big bugaboo. They can nail a three 
and shoot the lights out, but they're giving up points on the back end. They don't get back in transition and they just don't play they, very they sound transition. Yeah. And they play, they do this press and the problem with it, and they do line changes basically where they're seven, five at a time and, and they have a deep roster because of that. But the problem there is because they're running the press all the time. If a team can beat the press, they're in trouble. They don't stop them. And that immediately puts them in a bad situation. Yeah, so we'll have to see what they do. A little example of what they can do Friday night. Um, it was good to see that they at least got some of those games in for the Rock the Ruben as scheduled. They rescheduled the the league game with, against Martinsville uh, for, I guess, two weeks from, from last Saturday on the 26th, I think. And um, the Riverheads games getting moved around. I think they're actually going to play LeRae in that tournament now. So some modifications to the schedule, but glad that they're going to be able to get that in on a snow date. Let's see if it <laughs> snows again. Uh, they're calling for snow. It seems like every weekend these days, Lee beat gap Friday, um, gap hang hung tough there for a while. Kind of like the first time they faced each other, but Lee went ahead and took off it. I mean, Lee's just a better basketball team, but it reminds me that, you know, gap started out strong, you know, after losing for a couple years in a row. Uh, so it's, it's good to know that they're still battling hard and maybe that's a team that might pick off somebody in the end, but you just never know, but it's good that they're not over like they have in the last couple of years. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm, we're trying to go to every Augusta County school team, even though we started uh, mid-January this year on the ESPN 1240 side of things. So I'm sure I'll get to see a lot, if not all of the Shenandoah District teams at some point of our area. But um, that's the problem, right, is there's a big gulf. And it's been this way before. It's just the names have changed. It it had been R.E. Lee is so much better than everybody else in the district. It's no contest. Well, now it's East Rock. And the question becomes for these other Shandoah district teams in Augusta County, who can be right there under them? And who can be that team that makes a run? Um, I know you just mentioned Gap, and it's not going to be them. But the question falls to a Wilson and R.E. Lee, a draft. Who in that class two is going to be a team that could potentially win the second spot in the region, get to that region championship yeah. game and punch their ticket is and beating central. Teams. Yeah. Is beating central impossible? No. Um, but you know, it, you're going to have to work for it. And that's what draft lives on is just surprising. Somebody are coming in hitting the threes and they can beat just about anybody. If you're hitting them, uh, hitting a decent percentage with how many they take and four teams out of the district will go to that, uh, to the, um, region. So, they have a chance. Yeah, but only two make um, it out of the region. That's that's really the test. I mean, that's the test. All right. I, it's, I throw this in on the high school side, and I know it's college, but Mary Baldwin, the girls, the girls from Gap, from last year's uh, team that made it to the state championship game, they're leading Mary Baldwin. They won again uh, right after last week when we talked. They won again, so they now have the most wins that they have in like a decade. So I just want to throw that in here. We'll be back to talk about that more uh, as the season goes on. I just kind of want to update our listeners that it continues to go well there at Mary Baldwin, and that's a local college getting local girls that to come lead their team. I like the example that it sets, um, and I know you disagree to a point about JMU, um, but – uh, JMU should look what Mary Baldwin's doing to have it at that higher level. Go oh, get but the they local kid. Be at that level. But uh, well, they got to be at that level. But it, you know, I I think we just said nickel was. So let's yeah. go to wrestling. Uh, okay. The rest 
the wrestling tournament last week at Riverheads, the quad that happened. Uh, Riverheads won as a team. They went 3-0. and uh, It looks like Western Albemarle will finish second. But, you know, some of those state contending guys, you know, Cullen Bindell the, at 145 for Gap, he won all three of his with two pins. Uh, he's a defending state champion. He was at 138 last year. He's at 145 this year. Of the season well at 12 and 1. GW Schultz from Riverheads, he went 3 and 0, won at 126. <clears throat> He's a former state championship uh, holder as well. Uh, finished second last year, though. Uh, so trying to get back to the number one spot. He's 25 and 2 on the season. And then uh, Ryan Benitez from Gap, he got his 100th win during the tournament. So uh, he's trying to get back to that state level. Uh, my, my uh, ability there. He finished second in the state last year, but you know, good wrestling happened in the area. News leader tournament got kicked back there. Uh, it was supposed to be this past weekend. Tom talked about it when he was our guest ago, but uh, now it's a two day tournament, Tuesday, Thursday. So get out there, see some good wrestling. All these guys I just mentioned will have, uh, you know, pretty much all of them are like number one seeds. Uh, so Riverheads had a bunch of one seeds. Wilson had a lot of one seeds. So it's not just Riverheads and uh, Buffalo Gap with all the good wrestlers. Wilson has a, a bunch. Uh, Lehigh has a bunch. So get out there, see them. Uh, but a good wrestling season going on. And we look forward to uh, the postseason tournaments. All right, Leland, let's move on to the NFL playoffs. Uh, and after we saw a lot of road teams win in the wild card round, we saw straight home teams win in the divisional round. The Chiefs beat the daylights out of the Indianapolis Colts. The Rams beat the Cowboys in a game they pretty much controlled. And the Patriots yep. beat the Chargers like a team that didn't belong in the playoffs, uh, which is really <laughs> troubling seeing as a pocket passer towards that Chargers defense. Would have been great to see if we would have put our pocket passer in maybe last week if we could have come back and won, but I don't know. Um, the only game that was somewhat of a good game was the Saints-Eagles game. And uh, the Eagles had that lead yep. early. They started off like a house of fire. And then the New Orleans Saints do what the New Orleans Saints do. They come back, and you're not going to hold that offense down forever, and they did enough to get the win. All right. Because that Saints-Eagles game was obviously the best game of the weekend, and uh, it was kind of the one I was most looking forward to, in all honesty. Um, I thought – but I really did think that Saints-Eagles would be good. I thought it might be higher scoring than that for some reason. I was wrong about that. But uh, I'll tell you what, to punt – and that was really the game changer in that game. They, they had picked off a pass right before then. And then they came down and uh, were getting held up. And they were like two yards. Uh, it was like a fourth and two. They went forward and got it um, with their punter. and Or the H-back took the snap and went up. It was awesome. Building up. And, I mean, we've seen in the past too many times what that crowd can do to motivate that team. So that was really the, the catalyst for the Saints win. Eagles pack and you know the defending Super Bowl champions they're done I know you were really dark about them potentially winning and you didn't want that to happen you got your way yeah now there's only one devil in the playoffs and that's the New England Patriots so. <laughs> good luck yeah, to the Kansas City Chiefs beat the pants yeah they beat the pants off the Chargers like you said for that game late from shoveling snow and uh I realized I should have just stayed outside because it was already over yeah. um you know it'd be nice if Philip Rivers could Near, but I mean, <laughs> no one is really getting a shot in the AFC. It's only since 2002, it's only been Brady, Roethlisberger, or Manny, except for one year, and that was when Flacco got in there. So, you know, Philip Rivers was trying to change that tune or at least get 
you know, a one shot for himself. And that was, that was a boring, terrible game. It was. Um, and you know, this goes back to Saturday's games for me. Saturday's uh, Saturday's the day I watched. I didn't watch any game Sunday. Uh, because like you, I was shoveling snow and then I just got wrapped up in, uh, watching Netflix. And I was like, you know what? These other three games have been awful. I'm not going to put myself through another bad game. Of course, (laughs) of course that's the one that was good. Um, so, and because it was the Eagles playing and I just assumed the Eagles were going to win, I didn't feel like turning it on. So, uh, or checking the score. I was happy with the Rams just controlling the Cowboys. I, I, uh, see, I, was, I was disappointed. My, my brother's a Cowboys. Cowboys fan and, uh, you know, I would have loved to see them win for him, but yeah. I like these people. They're calling for Garrett's job now. Like when they, when they were having a rough time in the middle of the season, I got it. Like I, I thought maybe they would move on from Jason Garrett, but now that the season's over in Terrell Owens is calling for his just, <laughs> It's funny. He's not going to get fired now. He took him he won a playoff game last week. He's not getting yeah, fired. He's not getting fired, nor should yeah. he. I mean, look, and here's the thing I will say to Dallas Cowboys fans. Jason Garrett's not going anywhere. And it, on, on the off chance, Jason Garrett does get fired after next year, which I don't think is likely. But if it does, here's the bad news. You're just going to get another Jason Garrett type coach because Jerry Jones doesn't want anyone that's good at coaching or good at player personnel because they might disagree with the kind of goofy yeah. buffoonery decisions that Jerry Jones typically makes in that kind he of He wants realm. a yes man for sure. He, he, he does. wants a yes, he wants man. A yes that's man. what he has. Look at your best coach of anyone listening's lifetime and the only reason that might not be the case is because people might not have been born uh when this guy was coach is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson did a lot of things and maybe Tom Landry, I guess, if we have some yeah, Tom listeners. Landry was, was coaching while I was alive. So, so, but <laughs> okay. So Tom Landry, but that's, Jimmy, not Jim, G- that's not Jimmy Jones area. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson is the best yeah. coach he's ever had. And he fired him after he won a super bowl. He won multiple yeah. super bowls for Jerry and he fired him because him and Jimmy just couldn't get along because Jimmy didn't agree with some of the crazy things he wanted to do. So I, I don't know. I have a problem with people who let their ego get in the way sometimes. So well, that's I think, like mo- I mean, there's a lot of owners in the NFL oh, like sure. that. Jerry Jones is just the figurehead of it all, but yeah, uh, Redskins fans are familiar Jones with it. The winning. Yeah, Redskins yeah. fans are familiar with it. Yeah, and there's other ones. I mean, even the Cleveland Browns owner, he's he's a prima donna. He's just dumb. Like he is and, just dumb. Hiring Kitchens yeah. to be their head coach. Thank goodness. Browns gonna Brown. I mean, if anybody is going to get in the way of the Cleveland Browns becoming a good football team, it's the Cleveland Browns. Thank goodness. Yeah, and every and every Redskins listener we have is saying the same thing about them. And and as we've acknowledged, um, I guess we should preview these conference championships, huh? Yeah i I want to talk real quick about the Chiefs game because I thought a chance to win that game, and the Chiefs put that to bed really early. Oh, Andrew Luck did not even look like an NFL quarterback during that game. It was bad. And, and I mean, he had a bad day. And I think, you know, Indianapolis fans are used to a, a good quarterback not looking very good in a playoff game. have to think at some point that's going to go better for him, but it's not his time yet. And at least with him, he's young enough that you think he'll have some other shots. Yeah, I was, I was talking to a neighbor watching the game with him, and I, I just – during that game, it seemed to me like the Kansas City Chiefs had heard all week about how their defense is atrocious, is terrible, is the reason they're going to lose to the Colts. 
and they came out fired up. I mean, they shut down that offense. That defensive line was in the backfield, it seemed like, every play. So I I will defend Andrew Luck on that sense. Not all of that was his fault. But uh, to me, I think... The offensive line looked pretty good other these closing weeks of the season and last week, too. That's true. And now it all of a sudden didn't look good. That's true. All right, let's talk about the NFC Championship game. The Los Angeles Rams go to the New Orleans Saints. I think that's a pretty good matchup. I, I'll be interested there. The Saints in the preseason to come out of the NFC, so I guess I'm leaning that way. But I'm not going to be torn up if the Rams go. They're they're a fun. They can do things. Uh, at one point in the season, they were just scoring nonstop. So I, I'm interested to see who comes out of that game, but I'm not going to be mad either way. How delicious would it be if my preseason Super Bowl matchup is the Super Bowl matchup? Oh, it would be so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hate that. <laughs> oh man, I would feel so smart. <laughs> but the Rams are going to have their work cut out for them. They have a very good team to play in the New Orleans Saints. Uh and and to me this is going to be a great game. Uh look, when these two teams played the first time, the New Orleans yep. Saints won. So the Rams are going to have to play much the- better. And what I said coming out of that game, though, I mean, the Rams didn't play terrible in that game. They got behind and they just couldn't get back all the way, but they still. And um, I thought that was a really good game then. And people were kind of indicating then, hey, this could be a NFC championship kind of game. Well, it turns out it is. And uh, either team really can win. I'm not just laying back on the Saints, um, but I, I, I think it will be a good game. I just don't think it'll be as high score. Maybe we would have projected coming out of the last time they played, seeing how these two teams played in the middle season. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think the Saints defense is going to have a lot to say. Rams defense woke up last week, or this past weekend, against Dallas and their run defense. If they can bring that same kind of run defense against the Saints, that Saints still can pick you apart with the pass. But I think it could be a really good game. But, you know, both teams, like, 30-28 to kind of game. Yeah, maybe. Um, We'll see. I just, I don't know. I think these two offenses are both really good offenses. We saw the Saints defense or offense get slowed down a little bit this weekend in a win, only scoring 20. But I think, I think high 20s. Yeah. I think high 20s is probably where we're going to see the winning team. Yeah. I think the Saints, though, they're down the stretch of the season. They weren't scoring quite as much. So I think they're getting a little more comfortable winning those defensive games and, and, forcing breeze to do so much and so uh you know breeze can handle it when he has to but uh, you know i think it I, I i do agree i think it'll be in the 20s is where i think it'll be in the afc championship we have the hated patriots versus the newcomer chiefs and i'm all chiefs here for sure i want andy reed to go so i i'm I, i've been excited about this team all year even though they play in the afc where my seals do they're fun to watch and uh i'm excited for this game i just hope yeah, um, I guess I I agree with you. I want the Chiefs to win because I don't like the Patriots. But like I said, I picked the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl in my preseason prediction, and um, that would be delicious. So I'm okay. Um, I don't yeah, I know mean, if the Chiefs' I- defense is going to do what they did last week, two weeks in a row. I just don't think it's possible. I think Tom Brady... And Bill Belichick are just too good, especially in the playoffs. And they're going to find a way to win this game because that's what the Patriots do. 
is is Kansas City? Look, these two teams played. Uh, I believe it was Week Six. It was a great game. The Patriots won a very high scoring shootout. I think this game is going to be that again. I don't think you're going to see a defensive struggle in this ball game. I think Tom Brady is going to try to keep the Patriots out front the whole game, and the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes are going to have to match them. So. I think they're capable of doing that, though. I think they are. I mean, they got the good offense. I think they can get around some of its uh, schemes on defense. I think Mahomes – I mean, when I'm watching that game against the Colts, I mean, Mahomes was putting the ball in places. I, I'll say offensively, they had a lot of plays where there was – they were just open. But when there wasn't, he was really fitting the ball into some spaces, whether the receiver caught it or not is another thing. But he was really putting the ball in some tight spaces. hope for this weekend that, you know – the Patriots defense hasn't been for the season what we're used to seeing out the, out of them now uh, a lot better and, and maybe it's come together at the right time. I just I think the Chiefs have the tools it takes to beat the Patriots and we've seen the Patriots lose this game before. Everybody acts like the Patriots in the Super Bowl every single year. It isn't every single year, but I mean it's a lot. But in 2015 they lost to Denver at Denver. In 2013 they lost at Denver, and in 2012. They lost versus the Ravens. So they've lost this championship game before, and there's been a lot of close games. The 15 game is what I really come back to, that 20 to 18 game that the Patriots lost. And I know a lot, you know, Tom Brady and Belichick are the same names, but there's a lot of other different pieces. But I could see the Chief just scoring enough points to get past the Patriots here. And it I don't think it'll be as high scoring as it was in the regular season. I think it I think we're maybe even lower scoring than the Saints game they were saying I think like winner has like 24 just a little bit like 24 21 ball game is kind of what I see here this one's in the 30s if the defenses are lucky okay uh, that'd be fun more fun to watch honestly because I think in that first game we won't see as much defense as we're expecting out of those, or as much offense as we're expecting out of those two teams so it'd be fun to wrap up the night with more offense but like I said I have the Chiefs and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my 24 21 Chiefs I tell you who is well. I guess it doesn't matter. But with the Cowboys and the Eagles both being knocked out, the NFC gets the early game for the first time in the playoffs. NFC gets the early game, so that's interesting. They and yeah, they had established that though before uh, the Eagles lost. They had established that the AFC was going to have a later game. I'm not sure if something weighs into that with yeah, um, the Dallas Cowboys weighs into that. Well, with the Cowboys, I. I think once the Cowboys went out, it probably, but I, there might be other pressures in there uh, considering last week they were the later game. These last two weeks, the NFC has been the later game and they've both been on box. Um, I've read something about that before. I just can't quote it at the moment, but it, it, I'm, I'm happy with the games I'll be watching. I mean, that's, that's what the NFL wants is me watching and they're going to have it. Cause I, I think they're both very interesting games. Obviously it's the one, two seeds on both sides. So it's it's going to be good for ratings. It's going to be good for the NFL ratings, which usually you don't talk about that much. But um, these last couple of years, the NFL's paid a little more attention to that. This is good for them. Why are these games at three and six thirty? They've been three and six thirty for years now. That's like yeah, it gets the second game into wrong, prime time. What's wrong? The wild card and divisional games have been one and four to thirty. What's wrong with that? Uh, it gets the second game into prime time. That's a hundred percent what it is. They want that prime time. Ad the money. game ends at 10. I mean, I feel all complaining about that, but I enjoy yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl. does the Super I, Bowl starts at six, two. Yeah, I hate it. 
The Super Bowl's I do. a mess. I, the, we can talk about this next week, but we will talk about how Super Bowl should be moved to Saturday. I don't see why it's not. Uh, no, but okay. We'll talk about it later. Okay, we'll argue about that next week. A preview for next week. Yep. All right, let's get... Uh, no, uh, one thing more I wanted to say, though, is the Chiefs. I was trying to look at like what quarterback Mahomes could be like like I'm trying to get that for him he's exciting young quarterback um leading his team Russell Wilson led the Seahawks to Super Bowl on his second year I think it'd be nice if Mahomes could do that this year uh he's a young quarterback kind of igniting that offense you know Andy Reid has been in Kansas City long enough here that they used to not throw touchdown passes they they went like a whole season where no wide receivers caught touchdown passes so I think it'd be very cool for Mahomes to lead them in there. And, you know, everybody's talking to him about him being a star now. This could really cement that with even just a trip to the Super Bowl, beating the Patriots. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it would be a big win for Andy Reid, and it would be a big win for Patrick Mahomes. I just don't know if I – don't, I don't know if they're capable of it. I just – I need to see somebody beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I just need to see it. I'm, Denver did it twice, and your Ravens did it all in the last – yeah, but the Ravens had been Six. there. The Ravens were an established team in the playoffs when they did it. Like I, it, That felt like a team of destiny. Uh, we got close to beating them the year before. If Billy Cundiff hadn't missed a chip shot, we would have. So I, I don't know. I, I just think I don't have that faith in Patrick Mahomes. I'm beginning to have it, and I hope this uh, cranks it on up. The Chiefs defense has to get back and pop Tom Brady. I don't think they can. So we'll see. That's probably a good point. That's probably a good point. All right, let's get out of here and we will get to Cody and we're going to talk about what's happening in Rockingham County in the Valley District. We are now joined on the yak sports podcast by cody elliott of the dnr cody thanks for coming on with us absolutely glad to be here guys you know we we have you on continually i think you're our most popular uh interview guest but i read your article last week about the broadway job and, and the and the goods about that job and uh i wanted to bring you on to talk about not only that job but all the coaching vacancies in the area but talk about broadway for a second because that's probably the one joe and i are least familiar with but still you know somewhat familiar with the gobblers but talk about that job for a minute yeah i mean it's um i mean i kind of touched on in the article um a lot i talked to a couple of different coaches from around the valley district um chris thurman dale shiflett uh chris frazier and um they all kind of had the same agreement that um broadway is a, a good job to go after you know especially for first year head coaches but you know just for any kind of coach in general i think it's a it's a good area to, to go to um they've shown success in the past uh they've had a couple down years recently but um a lot a lot of the coaches kind of pointed to, you know, that's just the typical um, up and down cycle of high school football. It's, you know, it's, it's very rare that you see a program like Riverheads who's able to keep it up year to year. You know, even the Robert E. Lees, um, you know, all those programs over the years have had down years. And uh, I think Broadway's kind of went through that recently, but they've, they've got the build and they've got that community um, to really kind of, you know, support yeah. the football program. And I think they've got the, the typical, you know, like, like you said the other day, the Southwest Virginia um, type atmosphere down there. And I think, you know, if you get the right guy in there, I think it's a great job. Definitely. I mean, and, and that just brings it to the question of, you know, there's four openings at this point, and I would, I guess, be surprised at this point if there is any more. In your mind, 
if you were a coach and let's say you've been at least on a coach and staff for a couple of years, which job would you find, you know, the best one to go after? Well, whew, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, obviously Riverhead's a, I think is, is set up for the most success and um you know you guys obviously won't be more familiar with that than i am but you know i would think that they're gonna they're gonna keep it close to home i, w- I would assume with who they hire just because I, th- I think that what they've what they've built over the past 20 years under castos they want to try and keep that you know as close to the same as possible um but i mean you know i've always said that you, you look at a program like lee they've got the athletes um you know in the school it's a matter of if you can get a guy in there who can get in there get the athletes out in the field because um, you know a lot, a lot of the kids at league they prefer to play basketball or, or different things like that but if you can get some of those athletes on the field um, that's another freaking job and then you, like I said I think Broadway um, depending on who they get in there I think that's another one as well but I don't know if I can pick the best but I think I think all of them right now are, are really intriguing all right. And Cody, you know, the Buffalo Gap job is coming up as well. Um, and that mm-hmm. coach, you know, I talked about it briefly on the last episode, but I think that coach is going to have big shoes to fill. You know, what is what is the talk around that job? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard a ton of names necessarily. Um, one name I think to, to keep an eye on is uh, Rod Bowers, the former short draft coach is out there. Um, I think that would be intriguing. I don't know if he has any interest in that at all, but I think that's the perfect type of guy for that job for that uh, community and i think that that type of team kind of fits what he did at source draft before um i think he would be a good hire there um he's been helping out with that as well this winter he's, he's was helping out with soccer last spring so um you know I, I don't know if he has interest in doing that um obviously he would have to probably give up some other obligations if he did but uh i think that's that's the biggest thing that stands out to me for that job but i agree with you i mean replacing andy andy's done a great job over the years and um buffalo gaps had a lot of consistency um, maybe not this, the success that Rivers has had on the state level, but Buffalo yeah. Gap has consistently been a playoff team for you know the past decade or so. I definitely agree with that. I think Gap gets overlooked for how much success they've had because of Riverheads, and I mean they're rivals with each other. They're both on the same side of the county, mm-hmm. but uh, I think if it wasn't for Riverheads, Gap would get a lot of credit for how consistently they've been winning. So when I look at the jobs, I, I kind of put Broadway at the top of the list because. We all know we've all heard, I guess, the advantages of having a job in Rockingham County school system. But mm-hmm. then also you're going to a fan base that has a lot of um, a really good following. And and like I said to you, I think it was my comment on Twitter. It, it is like a Southwest Virginia school. You have good resources. You have good community involvement. But you also don't have those expectations that you're going to have at a Riverheads. Um, so that's kind of why I give Broadway a little bit of an upper hand. In. They have some history. They've they've won before. You know you can win there. You're gonna ha- you're gonna be tested throughout the season because Spotswood's a good program. Harrisonburg's mm-hmm. a five A school. Uh, TA is probably not that far from being um, you know solid solidly built again. So I think Broadway is probably the most attractive job from someone coming outside of the area or even one of these other assistant coaches at one of the other schools to maybe move over there. Then I put Riverhead second just because yeah, there's a lot. There for you to work with and, and and a good foundation, but with that comes a lot of pressure. Right, so right. I, I put that there. Um, then it's Lee or Gap for third and fourth, and basically just based on talent level alone of what we know is coming back, I I kind of have to put Gap in kind of that spot just because 
they had all their eggs in the ribbon bird basket this year, and that was a great basket to have them in, but he's not coming back. So as good as those other players that we know are coming back are, it's just hard to look that you want to jump into a situation where even Coach Klein was probably looking at a, you know, probably, you know, from the outside looking in, doubting the playoffs next year. So, um, but in all honesty, you kind of have to go back to, uh, we have Patrick Hyde on a couple weeks ago. He sided at Lee, you know, some tension, um, I guess is the way he put it, between uh, Tibbs and Jarrell. So you kind of have to weigh that as something. Is that a factor? Is that is that really something? Is that something uh, the next coach would have to deal with? So, um, but interesting uh, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're right. The the David Tips factor is kind of a an interesting uh, aspect of that lead job. You know, he he was there for so long as their coach, and to have him kind of over overlooking your shoulder the whole time, I'm sure that that could have caused some tension. And, and that's interesting that you say that because I, I hadn't heard that. So it's interesting to hear that. All right, let's move on to basketball, something that you follow very closely. And, you know, the team that keep coming down here and, and beating all the teams <laughs> around Augusta County <laughs> is East Rock. Uh, you know, Joe and I have already talked about them a little bit uh, on this podcast tonight. But go ahead and throw your thoughts out about East Rock and just how good they are. Yeah, I mean, they're um, they're the real deal. Uh, they, um, they remind me a lot of the, the team from two years ago with the two um, – you know, six six post guys and Jarvis and uh, Jarvis Vaughn and Darius George. Um, you know, East Rock's kind of got that similar dynamic. In Tyler Nickel and Dalton Jefferson, but what, what makes them a little different though is, um, you know, where and Jar- Jarvis played a lot in the post and Darius went outside a little bit. But both of these guys, um, they can play on the wing. Uh, they can shoot it. Um, Dalton Jefferson, he had eight threes in a game earlier this year. Uh, Tyler Nickel, the freshman, he scored forty three against Wilson. So they both shown the ability they can go out to dribble. They can uh, score in transition. They can score from the three. Um, and then, of course, you know, anytime you're six five in the Shenandoah District, you're going to have an advantage over anybody inside. So um, those two guys are leading the way. And then, you know, what's really been the key for them, I think, is the, the pieces around these guys. Um, they've got Tyson McNair at point guard, who's just been filling up the stat sheet, um, you know, all across the board. Um, they've got, you know, some guys off the bench. A lot of those seniors uh, from the East Rock football team are role players for this basketball team. And they really have stepped up in different – situations this year it seems like every night it's a different great guy kind of emerging as that third player behind the, the main two so um you know they, they've been really strong defensively they're sharing the ball really well um they're averaging every like 27 assists per game as a team um you know they've, they've just really been clicking and uh you know i don't i don't see them getting tested too much in the central district this year and and as far as the region even it doesn't look like there's many teams that are going to be able to push them so they I think they're poised for another run, kind of like the football team. And, Cody, to go to the Valley District now uh, briefly, you know, the Valley District is the Valley District. And right now, you know, the teams that we are chiefly concerned with, you know, being the Augusta County uh, podcast would be Waynesboro and Fort. What are you seeing from those kind of teams in the Valley District play? Yeah, well, um, (laughs) Fort is just – Fort boys – um, they're, it's just been a down year for them. Um, you know, they, 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 uh, don't have much scoring options. They, they're a young group on um, their two best players, Ryan Cook and, uh, uh Benny Sipe, both pair of sophomores on. So, you know, it's just one of those years for them that it's going to be tough to get wins, especially in the Valley district when you've got teams like Spotswood, Broadway, Harrisonburg, 
some of those guys who those are some really good teams there. Um, so the, you know the four boys are having a down year. Uh, Winsboro boys seem to be um, playing better the past couple of weeks. Um, they've they've kind of got some balanced scoring across the roster. Um, they've had some guards step up: Sean Cardoza, Davon Young, um, some post players have emerged. Damian Fisher's been having some big games, double doubles recently. So they're a team that's kind of right there in the middle of the pack in the Valley District. Um, the type of team that you might not want to play in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, they're they're kind of a sleeper team. And then on the other side with the girls, uh, the Fort girls, I think have solidified themselves as that number two team in the Valley. But unfortunately, there's a big gap between number one and number two. And we saw that last week at the end of the week uh, with Spotswood. Um, you know, they're unbeaten and, and they showed it for a reason. They blew them out uh, 56-23 over Fort on Friday night. So um, there's a big gap there. And then, you know, kind of like the four boys, the Waynesboro girls are still kind of stuck in a rebuild mode as they've been for quite a few years now. So speaking of the girls, who are some of the leading teams? You know, I mean, you said Spotswood. You know, Broadway's been a very good team up there recently. How's their season looking? They have a new coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, that's, that's what, again, going back to what I, what I said a while ago, is, is, is there's so there's, just such a gap right now between Spotswood and everyone else. Um, Broadway, yeah, you, like you said, they're under a first-year coach in Scott Martin, um, but they've got a lot of young players. They, they're another team that's got a lot of sophomores. If you look across the district in general, um, it's just a very young uh, district. I mean, there's there's freshmen and sophomores all across almost every team. Um, Harrisonburg is arguably the third, second, maybe third or best team. Uh, they've got five freshmen on their roster, four of which are starting. So um, it's, it's kind of so- – Real to see that you know you didn't used to see this many freshmen and sophomores it used to be kind of a rarity to see that many young players on a varsity roster but um you know this year especially in the girls side of things it, you know it's just a lot of youth and i think the difference is spotswood you know they, they had their aau programs and their little league and they kind of build them up through there and so by the time they get to varsity they're a group that's you know they've got a lot of juniors and seniors and you know they're, they're just a complete step ahead of everyone else right now so who is your best Valley boys team? Uh, well, I think, again, you have to point to Spotswood for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spotswood and Harrisburg played last uh, last Tuesday, and um, that was kind of – they were both unbeaten in that, that game. And, you know, I thought Harrisburg could play them tighter, but Spotswood really just dominated from start to finish. Uh, Harrisburg, they're a good team with a lot of athletes, and they play a lot of guys. and. They get after it defensively, but I think the one difference was Harrisburg just didn't have that scoring punch, didn't have that one guy who they could go to. And, uh, you know, Spotswood has a couple guys. Um, they've got 6'4", uh, Angel Pacheco-Ortiz, and he's really emerged this year as a big-time player for Spotswood. But he's averaging uh, 17 points, 10 rebounds. So um, you had him in with last year's uh, Valley District Player of the Year, Kill Schroederman, and then a couple other guys around him. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're the team in the Valley District right now. All right. Well, that's been some good talk there about stuff that's happening to the north of us. Uh, before you go, you have anything new that you're uh, binge watching or catch anything up over Christmas break or anything? Uh, I do not, man. I, have not, I haven't hardly had time to watch anything recently. I feel like um, I've just been working so much and trying to get caught up a little bit from the winter break. But um, I am looking forward to that basketball game tomorrow night between uh, Virginia Tech and UVA. So. Yeah, that's it's going to be a good one. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to uh, cover that here on the podcast. I guess listeners will probably already know the answer to that. Uh, we might sub something in after the game. But, uh, yeah, college basketball for me, too. Um, I haven't had much time to binge anything either. It's been, you know, my wife being a Duke fan and me being a Virginia Tech fan. 
and uh, and it's four nights a week we're watching something. So absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, Cody, thanks for uh, coming on with us. We will be uh, retweeting some of your articles and everything to make sure everybody can keep up with you. But uh, thanks for coming on. Awesome, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, time for the D block here on the Yak Sports Podcast. That's where we talk about things not necessarily to do with sports, though. I think we we both got some sports to talk about here. I'll open us up with what's dominating my life. And as college basketball is getting hot, ACC season's going, NFL playoffs, we just got done with the national championship in college football. I'm paying a lot of attention to these contracts uh, that need get signed in Major League Baseball between rumors about Bryce Harper, rumors about Machado, and then also – you know what uh, Kyler from Oklahoma is going to do there. Um, Kyler Murray, what he's going to do, whether he's going to play football or baseball. I've, I've actually been kind of perking up for baseball news in the contract talks. And it used to be a lot of contract talks got worked out at the winter baseball meetings. We usually happen like the week or two before Christmas. These last couple of years, it's kind of pushed past that with some of the bigger contracts. And uh, we're still waiting for uh, some of the big dominoes to fall there. And uh, it sounds like the White Sox have a deal out to Machado, but you're still waiting to see what's going to happen. And uh, what have you been hearing? Oh, I'm I'm hearing the same things along that line. I'm hearing Bryce Harper's probably going back to the Nats. Um, but here's here I read a interesting article on Baseball America uh, right before we started potting actually on this trend, and it called it a troubling trend. Uh, it's only a troubling trend if you're a Major League Baseball player. If you're a fan of a small market team like the Baltimore Orioles, it's actually a great trend uh, because what you're seeing less and less of is these big market deals that take the best players in the game and make them totally out of reach for your team. Uh, and they're, one of the reasons they said this is the hard cap uh, in baseball and the, and the CBA. Um, there is no hard cap, but there is a hard luxury tax. So after you cross a threshold, a cap per se, a soft cap, I don't know why they called it a hard cap because it's definitely not that, but it's a soft cap. You can pass it, but then you're paying an insane amount in luxury tax. The New York Yankees were doing it for quite a while. They finally came under that, and I don't think they're looking to go over it anytime soon. But uh, th- that was one reason, and I'm sure it is a reason, but I think the bigger reason is you saw the Houston Astros do form this dynasty uh, by building prospects and making smart, sound draft picks and develop- developing them through the minors, trading away expensive pieces, getting other good young prospects, and they built through their farm system. And that is the way to do it now. And that's just where we are as... Uh, you know, a sport in, in baseball. And I think, again, this is good news if you're a small market team. The other thing is uh, MLB GMs looked at the Albert Pujols contracts and the yeah, CJ Wilson yeah. contracts, and they're like, wow, those are really bad deals. Now, Mark Teixeira the contracts. deals are terrible, yeah. Yeah, wow, we do not want to be paying a guy when he's 38 and garbage and not doing anything. Uh, so we're not going to pay him $30 million uh, when he's 38 to go out there and stink up the place. So I'm totally on board with that. I think what players are mad at, and look, this turns into a thing, and the the players are going to strike over this. I don't know what the players want. Do they want GMs to throw money around recklessly again? Like, I'm sorry, that day is gone. Baseball, I got news for MLB players. 
the TV ratings and the attendance numbers are going down, not up. So that pie is going to get smaller. You're going to get less money, not more money. So you better just get on board. Uh, yep. And here's the thing. Uh, MLB GMs, and this was explained uh, through an anonymous general manager, of course, because they can't speak on this and they don't want to ruin their chance of ever signing a player that they would like to in free agency. But GMs, and this is part of the analytical revolution, they're going to pay for what they can get, not what the player has produced already. And that is something that was not being done in the past. When you saw the Alex Rodriguez deals, when you saw the Albert Pujols deals, they were paying a guy because he had 50 home runs for the last three years, and they were just going to assume that that was going to keep going. Well, obviously that doesn't happen. And so what teams are doing now is, okay, he's done this up to this point of his career. This is where we project him to go. We're going to pay him for what we project, not for what he has done. We're not rewarding a guy based on past performances with another team or whatever. We're going to reward him on what we think he can do for our team. And the fact of the matter is you can get players that will be just as good as a 35-year-old superstar uh, that younger prospects that have more upside. And that's what teams are interested in is the upside. They'd rather save the money, get three or four pieces for that money and build an actual team rather than have a superstar who's they're going to pray every time he comes up, hits a home run. It's just not, and that's the, it's just not the way of the future. And look, here's the other thing with Manny. Manny is a dog. He doesn't run out plays. He is lazy. He is a very uh, you know, and Christian Yelich called this, and he called it how he saw it, and he's right. He's a dirty player. When he was an Oriole, it was one thing, but now that he's not wearing that black and orange, man, it's amazing what a guy's uniform can do to your opinion of him. But uh, I, I just, I, I see it now. Um, he did some of this stuff when he was in Baltimore, and it was hard to defend. And now that he's not an Oriole, I don't have to. So I, I think that's another problem for him, is he's going to be a problem in the clubhouse. I don't have as much details on Machado. I I will say the ten year deals are just terrible, and they've been terrible every time. I can't I can't think of a good ten year deal that's happened. So it's it's nice that Bryce in particular is looking for that, but it's just not smart. And I hope the Nationals. I mean, they probably are. They probably are offering a ten year deal. It'd just be better for them if they weren't. But, but I think they realize their window only exists with with him there. The way they've built everything else. I mean, if if they don't retain him they're further from the world series and they kind of got to reestablish a lot of things. If they throw them in there, they probably will have a couple of years here where they're still fighting for it. Maybe three, maybe four years, but it'd just be nice if they could get out of it without a 10 year contract. Probably what's happening. But what I go ahead. I don't think Bryce signs a 10 year deal. I think he signs probably a three or four year deal. I I think that's smart for him. I was hearing something about that where uh, they were talking about like a player option and so like go ahead and give him that knowing that he's probably is going to get out to try to maximize his money again. Let him do that and if you can get three or four years out of Bryce and then be clear of him by his own choice then you make that hard line stance be like yeah we're not signing you then because I mean he is going to be productive for the next three or four years and so was Paul Host and so was A-Rod and so was uh, you know some of these 10 year contracts. It's the back end is the problem. Even Look in the in old it. system, before we move on, sorry. Um, but but even in the old system, I don't think Bryce numbers put up the numbers to justify that much money. You can debate it, whether I Manny think, has, but I, I just do not see it from Bryce. He's had one good year. I I think though, I think him and he's more valuable in Washington than anywhere else because 
that's where he's been the whole time. He has that fan base. I, I do think there is value both way for the Nationals there. I, I do think um, he puts butts in seats there, and there's a value there that he wouldn't get somewhere else. But you're probably right. He's probably not as valuable as his agent tells me is. Uh, the f- last piece of this I wanted to comment on is I don't like the Yankees. You don't like the Yankees. But what started our the, the modern age of hating the Yankees was a team that was built through the farm system it it was you know some old veterans that came over that you know paul o'neill and uh some of the guys like that that were not big money free agents and you paired them with Derek jeters and mariano rivera's and andy pennants and um uh just all those guys that was what started those yankees and that was a built franchise and and there for a while they were dominating uh the padres were good through there the braves were good uh in the 90s the marlins both of their championships were homegrown and it's just then they immediately sold them off so like i think more often like if we can they made some of these luxury tech rules to get it back to where it was more competitive and teams had to build this is just the the step it takes and i i say that i'm interested in baseball news and it's later than usual i'm happy about it. i'm happy that things are shifting to be to get back closer to the way it was that you really need to build to have a good team and you don't get some of these yankee championships where they just went out and bought it. And in all honesty, Boston has thrown a lot of money around too. And as while they implemented a system based on Billy Bean's money ball, they still were paying a lot of money for some of those pieces. So I'm, I'm happy things are shifting back to the, to the team concept and not just one player hitting in your three or four hole. Yeah. And look, I got news for players, uh, fans, not really going to take the player's side on this. I think the majority of Major League Baseball fans would like to see a salary cap. If you're not a Yankees or a Red Sox or a Dodgers fan, you're talking about, man, I wish Major League Baseball had a salary cap so teams could stay competitive. And I think the introduction of that would also have to be then introduced with a salary floor for teams like the Marlins that just don't want to spend <laughs> money, period. Yeah. So I think those two things paired would probably be good uh, in the longevity of baseball, but Again, that's going to be something the players are going to fight. They're not going to want that. I mean, a salary floor, I mean, <laughs> it's going to help a lot of guys out. I mean, doesn't basketball have that? And that's how you get these guys with some of those max deals because they're just spending money. I mean, eh. all right, let's move on. What do you, what's been dominating your life? Uh, well, what was dominating my life Sunday? Uh, because I decided I wasn't going to watch football uh, after about the first quarter of the Patriots game. I shoveled snow like you, and then I was like, you know what? I've been putting this off. I've always complained about these movies. I've got nothing else to watch. Let's sit down and just knock out three of these Marvel movies so I can uh, watch ah. the Infinity War thing. And I did. Um, My biggest knock on the Marvel movies has been I don't like all the jokes in the middle of the fights. I think that's ridiculous. It's unproductive. And I hate almost everything about it. Um, That being said, (laughs) I watched these movies and the movies I watched, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is a really joke-heavy movie. Uh, That's a joke-heavy series. But that's fine because Chris Pratt's in it. I guess I'm just expecting jokes when Chris Pratt's in it. Uh, So that was okay. Um, I watched Black Panther. And then I watched Infinity War. 
Um, Black Panther was all right. Uh, I it was good. Uh, I like Black Panther. I really thought that was good. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two was good. And then now Guardian, and this is the other problem I have with Marvel movies. And this is if you haven't seen Infinity War by now, and you want to see it, mm, spoiler alert. Uh, so just go ahead. Muffs. I'm, I'm yeah. clear. Go ahead. Earmuffs. Um, but <laughs> the Marvel movies have been afraid to kill off people. Um, and I have a problem with that. When you have like Civil War, when you have superheroes fighting superheroes, somebody should not make it. Uh, and that didn't happen in Civil War. It was very upsetting for me from a from a standpoint of why do I Joe likes it better when people die we well but why am i sitting through this movie if there's no <laughs> real danger for anyone involved and and that's the problem i've had with the marvel the movies, movies for 12 year old well but who cares if you, <laughs> i'm not into that like i if i'm if you're gonna pitch this as like a pg-13 type of movie um then you need to have some pg-13 con- content you know what i saw mufasa die as a kid i somehow made it uh bambi's mom gets shot in the opening credits of disney Bambi. disney movies are dark man it, like parents die at the beginning of most of them and my, my kids start playing sometimes and it's like it always starts with like a tragic parent death and uh yeah Disney so, movies are not afraid of doing that yeah so kids can <laughs> handle that but they can't handle you know captain america or iron man not making it out of a movie like that would just be too traumatic and they would never survive aren't they gonna stop making iron man's though can't they kill him off like in the next one I don't know. I mean, we're going to see. I thought he was dying at the end of Infinity War, but of course he didn't die. But then again, half of them do. So there was part of me that was like, okay, well, at least there's some consequences here. And it also seems like every terrible decision that they make in those movies is just totally unpunished. So in this, in Infinity War, now I'm not stupid. They're going to make another one and they'll fix all their bad decisions. And I'm sure all of the superheroes that died are coming back because it's Marvel. Um, and, and it's Batman versus Superman. That movie would have been better if Superman would have stayed dead. Um, the whole little tease of oh, he's in the grave, but look, the dirt's the dirt's moving. What does that mean? Uh, it means that you're too cowardly to kill off a superhero. That's what it means. You're too worried about toys. I, I get. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion with you um i do know that killing off characters only stops them from making money and so that's why it's not going to happen i guess i, mean, if they kill I off, guess i appreciated Iron them Man. more when they cared about my, uh story rather than just money i'm still shocked that george joseph gordon levitt hasn't come back with a robin movie that's what i'm just shocked oh, with that, that hasn't happened but i guess they couldn't get christopher nolan back so good all right what do you know that i need to know well leland um Last week, I brought you the first presidential election in 1789. You asked me, when was the first one they had in November? Well, I have that answer for you now. In 1845, Congress passed a law saying that the election would be held on the first Tuesday of November. Now, what you might be thinking, if you're really good, is, well, Joe, 1845 wasn't an election year, and you'd be right. The next election after that was 1848, in which Zachary Taylor defeated... Lewis Cass in 1848. It was in the aftermath of the Mexican-American War. Very big election. It was the 16th presidential election in our nation's history. 
Interesting. I'm glad you answered that for me because I sure as heck didn't look it up. I did look up about the ratings. Uh, I do think this was the first year that Bachelor did premiere on the night of the national championship, but that doesn't help because they've had premieres for the Bachelor following the Rose Bowl, which would be over top of the Sugar Bowl in most cases uh, in other years. So they have put the Bachelor premiere right up against big-time college football in the past. And uh, the ratings were down this year for the national championship game. But the article I read explained them more as it's kind of the marginal lower that all sports are receiving now. Um, so uh, that, that's, that's part of that. I mean, all, all, all ratings are going down. We saw NFL go down, um, and now it's kind of started to correct itself, but it's still lower than it was. NBA ratings are down. Major League Baseball ratings are down. So it's it's just a thing that's happening now because there's so many choices for entertainment out there. Um, but it's still got a pretty good rating and uh, still a better rating than like all the World Series games and most of the NBA finals. So college uh, football, NCAA will take that any day. Yeah, I think each of these sports has a different... Uh, and look, you're right. There's a lot more entertainment choices. That's one factor that is applied to all of these broadly. Mm-hmm. Um. The NFL went some through politi- through some political stuff last year. I think that did play a role, whether people want to admit it or not. I think concussions is another reason. Um, I think for baseball, it's just a sport that the public doesn't like anymore. Um, it's its main demographic is older and dying off, and they're not attracting young fans because they're dinosaurs and they don't want to see the sport change for any reason because that's what dinosaurs do they stick stubborn in their stubborn ways until they die off and then the sport becomes extinct well how did the dinosaurs though but what did the dinosaurs do that was so stubborn like people always say this where they just like oh this this uh meteor's coming let's just keep on eating this grass or was they were they surprised with build a rocket ship (laughs) (laughs) like i mean people just trash on these dinosaurs for being uh stupid and ignorant but like i mean i think that thing came quick and they didn't know they didn't even have any options i don't you're missing the point of the argument we're calling them dinosaurs (laughs) in this instance because they're old uh and they're stubborn and they're just gonna let the sport die because they're too stubborn um basketball i think it's golden state i think golden state is the problem with the nba and why they would see a ratings decline because people are just tired whether kd wants to admit it or not he did a total cop-out move by going to play for the Golden State Warriors. It's why he'll never be one of the greatest players of all time because he couldn't do it by any other way than joining a team that was already an NBA champion. It was a total cop-out move. I hated it. It's disgusting. He's the softest ego in all of professional sports in the entire history of professional sports. Um, and he does carry around a safety blanket in his backpack there after games. I bet he does. And um, <laughs> what was the other one you said? Oh, college football. I think Alabama Clemson part four is part of that. I, I mean, you could probably make a small percentage case, but it wasn't anything drastic. I mean, it really wasn't. Uh, the, the percentage could kind of be viewed along with what's being assumed is normal ratings going down within within a couple percentage points. So, um, I, I mean, I probably what hurt the ratings was the people I know I watched the whole game and for a blowout, I thought it was interesting throughout, but probably some people cut it off. So, I mean that, that blowouts are never good for your ratings, but ratings are maybe you once you're rating the game. 
Uh, the article I read did cite this, so they might have had a progressive rating uh, that they had, and okay. not not okay. all ratings are taken at the beginning of the game. They care about what hours uh, are peaking. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of this, you know. <laughs> And sports media watch is the is the website that I go to. They they really talk about that stuff all the time. That website really does take uh, progressive ratings. They want everything peaking at the nine o'clock hour. You already talked about it once this episode. Why is the Super Bowl on at six? Why is the AFC Championship game not start till six? Ending in the nine o'clock hour, peaking at that time. That's what the ad money wants. So that's the answer. That's money. Uh, I mean, everything we come back to is about money, but. Um, did not really prove anything that the part four of Bama uh, Clemson was destructive. Um, but I mean, okay. With a part five coming to break the tie um, no. might be best for the sport not to happen. I, I will concede that. I think I blew past that when we were talking last. Maybe I would prefer it to be the Hokies that get in, get in the middle of that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, if the athletic is right that Ryan Willis or Josh Jackson is going to be the starting quarterback, we can forget about it. Well, yeah, better usually knows what he's talking about. All right. What I know that you need to know, and we'll run through this is Jim three years has the best brain possible uh, for any profession, much less uh, broadcasting, but he, Jim Nance is the voice of CBS sports. He, broadcaster uh so he would he just did the afc divisional game he'll do the afc championship this week he'll do the super bowl two weeks after that uh and do the ncaa college basketball tournament in the first week of april he'll do the final four and then as soon he get he gets done talking about those nets getting cut down uh, and covers the masters it's the best you know three months of uh broadcasting and really i i want to hear who has a job three month run than that because that's just you're the face of all the big events and sports happening and each one of those are are ones that i huge jim nance guy um i'm but he does a good job he's a professional uh he's someone to aspire to be i'm just he's not the guy that he's not a keith or uh someone like that uh Pat Summerall or someone that I really you know, am drawn to, but he has a heck of a run here. And uh, basically if you're watching a big event on sports, the next three months, he's going to be involved in the broadcast. So it's uh, it's an awesome time for him. And even, even in years that CBS doesn't have the Super Bowl, the other two years in that three year cycle, it's still a pretty darn good run. Um, so uh, get used to Jim Nance's voice real quick. Yeah. I love Jim Nance. Uh, he's a great broadcaster. Uh, yeah. He's one of the best. He is. In the business currently, he's one of the best of all time. Yep. And you're right. Um, I Look, I'm not into golf, but I appreciate the majesty of the event in Augusta that is the Masters. And um, it's, it's cool. Spring. It's, it means spring is here. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish he could do a World Series. Who's I think your, that would be cool. That would be cool. Who is your favorite broadcaster, whether it's now or all of all time? Man, that's a tough question, Leland, because I think when you go to the play-by-play people, um, you know, you got Al Michaels, who's great. Um, yeah. Joe Buck has grown on me as he's as I've gotten older. Um, you you're, you agree that people shouldn't fake moving those stands now? Is that what you're saying? No. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Pat Summerall. Pat uh, Summerall. Well, it's always one that I go to quick. And I don't even like the Cowboys, but like 
he was a Cowboys announcer, I guess, and then he then he just went to Fox. I mean, I used to watch Pat Summerall like whenever he was on, just because of his voice and just the way he went through the game and explained what was happening and and the interaction he was with John Madden was great. But I, I mean, it's kind of the same thing I did with Vince Scully. Whenever Major League Baseball Network was playing a Dodgers game, they'd have the radio feed for the uh, Dodgers. And I, maybe that's what the broadcast out there was. And it would be Vince Scully. I'd sit there and just watch a Dodger game because Vince Scully was talking. It's just some of these legends that have been out there um, really stick out to me. Keith Jackson, though, I, I know I've run through three of them here, but Keith Jackson is kind of the one. Um, I really would watch whatever college ball, bas- uh, college football game he was broadcasting because I just thought he was the best. Yeah. Um, you know, favorite all time that I've seen baseball would be Vince Scully. Uh, he's just so good. And solo, just so impressive. Yeah. You would do it solo, which is very impressive. It's very difficult to do. Uh, and he would do it amazingly. And I, I can't imagine anybody else being in the booth with him doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you look today again, I, I enjoyed Pat Summerall. That's a past guy. He's passed away now, but Al Michaels, I think would be my favorite today. Uh, football, Jim Nance, if you're going all sports, you know, the total package, it would have to be Jim Nance because Al Michaels doesn't do much other than football now, but Al Michaels used to do baseball. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't know. Um, you know, my brother and I were watching an Orioles. Yeah. We were, we were watching an Orioles classic cause we're nerds and, uh, we have nothing in the future to hold on to with this franchise. So we were watching yeah, he did Saturday night baseball. Yeah, yeah, he did the World Series when the Orioles were playing yeah. the Reds. And I was like, that's Al Michaels. That's cool. Um, but and that was very cool to hear. And he was very, very good at it. Uh, and I think that's unfortunate that the number of broadcasters you see, and some of this has to do with, you know, TV rights for leagues and stuff like that too. But you don't see that many people doing multiple sports nowadays. And that's a little disappointing. Uh, it's almost like networks feel like they need to be specialized or that they can't ever go do another networks thing. I, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we could see Al Michaels do more things. I wish we could see Jim Nance. Yeah, he does a lot already, but I mean, it's exciting. Um, Joe Buck, like I said, he's grown on me a little bit. He does football and the World Series. Um, I just, I think Pat Summerall and John um, Madden is the two, yeah. those, that was my favorite team. They were good. Uh, they, Kenny Albert, he does everything. He does, uh, yeah. football and hockey and everything. Uh, he's a, a good younger guy that's doing it all. I really like for younger guys doing it currently. I've always liked Mike Tirico. I think he does a really good job, whatever he's doing. And he's becoming the face of NBC sports and probably sits in that Al Michaels chair when Al goes. Um, but I really like Tirico too. Yeah. Doc Emmerich is a great hockey announcer. He does the oh, NBC so sports good. network. Yeah. He's great. Uh, and then, you know, baseball, I love Gary Thorne too. He's the Orioles play by play guy. I love him. Um, the nationals announcers, I hate them. They're terrible. Uh, they are a hard watch <laughs> and a hard listen. Uh, when the Orioles play the Nats, they used to do this thing where, and thankfully, because I guess the mass in dispute between the two franchises probably plays a role in this, <laughs> but they don't do the, the simulcast anymore with mass and mass and two having the same feed and it, the announcers would switch. Now one is the Nats 
broadcast team and the other is the Orioles broadcast team. So I don't ever have to watch the Nats broadcast uh, unless I'm watching the Nats because I am a sucker. Uh, but and that, they're a what? hard listen. Uh, Bob Carpenter and FP, <laughs> that might be my least favorite duo. One baseball one that I want to get in there. I miss Sunday night baseball from when I was a kid for and for a long time. Uh, Jim Miller and Joe Morgan. Yeah, that that's up there with one of my favorite pairs for any sports. Like I would watch Sunday night baseball. I mean, I would put the volume on and do something else just to listen to those guys talk. They were great. And before we go, I do want to say a guy who I think has gotten the shaft is Mike Patrick. Mike Patrick and Dick Vitale, college basketball was oh, great. Oh, yeah, he was great. He does college yes. football, too, Mike and Patrick he's good. I don't know who Mike Patrick pissed off at ESPN, but he got sent to the moon uh, to cover games as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he got sent to the D-team or D-team even. Yeah, and, yeah, he like, retired. He got out hey, of it. There's he, a he game. didn't even say he was. Yeah, they would be like, hey, there's a game in Sacramento being played uh, at – midnight Eastern go call that game. Uh, and I felt bad for him because he was so good at it. And then, and then they put some of these other people on there. I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, did we really Sunday night football there for a long time too? Yeah. And I don't want to say Chris Fowler's not good, but did we need, or excuse me, uh, Reese Davis, but did we need Reese Davis in the booth? He was doing a good job on college game day. Did we need him? Can we couldn't we let Mike Patrick do those games? Yeah, I, I like Mike Patrick. I, I agree with you. Um, I like Fowler and Herb Street. <sighs> I'm not going to bash on that at all. But uh, yeah, bumping Mike Patrick out for some of these for, for the C team. Like he should have still been the B team even. I mean, he does a good job and and did until the last day he did it. And even when he was on his last game, it was a basketball game last winter. And it was like it wasn't that he was retiring from broadcasting. It was that like he kind of had enough with ESPN pushing him around. So yeah, ESPN would put him. Right. Yeah. I felelt so bad for him because ESPN would put him with Bill Walton. And I'm like, man, that's a punishment. You are out there doing pac 12 games that nobody is going to watch. That's the worst thing too. I guess you just have to be a West coast guy. I just, I, well, you have to be a guy who doesn't say like I'm sports to watch, watch that much pac 12 basketball. But if Bill Walton's on the call, I mean, that's a quicker to the mute button than it is Dick tell like it, it I like is i can't listen to it yeah i like i like tell fine as long as he's on topic when he starts talking off topic i do get irritated with him and i realize it's usually in games that are going to lose my interest anyway but he, i don't know he's getting a little more crazier off topic than he used to get uh i used to never actually have a problem with him i think that's developed for me it was just when he's not on the game I, it's it's a little tough to listen to. Yeah. Well, wherever you are, yeah. Mike Patrick, if this finds you, know that you have two <laughs> fans in Augusta County. We'd love to talk to you. You know, Mike Patrick's a baller. He probably does at least have a Twitter. Uh, we'll tag him on this and see what happens. Yeah. But uh, we love Mike. Yeah, Patrick. we got a little off topic there, but uh, probably something we'll revisit at some point. We can be better organized, but a lot of good uh, broadcasters out there. Hey, I really enjoy that play-by-play guy from WTON on Friday nights. That's that's a pretty good guy right there. Nah, he's terrible. <laughs> that Joe Deck guy, Chip, Chip does good too. Both both of them are really good. Anybody that can lift up that play by play guy or that uh, color analysis guy, uh, they both. Do. Yeah, he gets off topic job. sometimes too, like Dick Vitale. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, I guess that will do it for us this week on Yak Sports Podcast. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. Like us on Facebook, Yak Sports Podcast. We're also Yak Sports Pod at gmail.com. Reach out to us, comment on these things, let us know. Uh, who who are some of your favorite broadcasters that you've listened to? Um, what what do you think of the topics we talked about? Is East Rock going to go make a deep run in the state playoffs? Have you seen something that we didn't and they're flawed? Uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Will the great devil in the New England Patriots make it again? Or, or will the Kansas City Chiefs beat them? Let us know what you think. Uh, we love to hear from the fans. And, you know, like I said, uh, if, you, if it's good and it's funny, uh, we'll probably bring it up on the next episode and one of us will have to respond. So I'm great at taking that bait. <laughs> That's me. I'm yeah. The guy that responds, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but until next week, we'd like to thank Cody Elliott again, too, for uh, joining us this week and talking about some of those coaching vacancies in the Shenandoah district and the Valley district, as well as the basketball season so far. Uh, and again, uh, thanks to Graham Cash. Uh, we don't always do this on the podcast, but thanks to him for doing the music for us and Kelsey Cash for doing our voiceovers. We appreciate it. Until uh, I'll next... do a quick plug for my wife. I could probably use the points. Yes. Uh, her artwork and uh, photography skills have also been enjoyed. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so until next now week. Now I just got to get her to listen so she knows that I said nice things about her. Yeah. Well, just tell her to fast forward into about mm, the last minute. But uh, <laughs> until next week, good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.